2: And again by Benning. Darnell Nurse left it in the corner. Gets up Seven. Perry Stewart, Corey Perry. Willian able to shake away from Solanis? Getting away. To-
1: We're back. It's another episode of the Forever Mighty Post Game Show. Hope everyone's having a great Sunday night. Ducks fall to the flames at 2-1. to one. And um, if you look at the stat line, it doesn't really tell the whole story, huh? Ducks played a hell of a game, especially in the latter half.
2: Yeah. It's uh, third period was Camp, camp Tablet's game. And uh, Did you it's tab- probably my fault.
1: Did you almost say Cam yeah. tab- Tablet? Like yeah, I had. It's... Yeah.
2: it's uh, I'm rusty. I've only I think I've only done two pots so far this year. Gabe nine and I've done two, so I'm getting back into into it. But I think it's my fault tonight because in our pregame notes, put Cam Talbots in that and caps followed by uh, LOL. So I think, uh, yeah, that might be <laughs> been my fault that he had the I guess not even the game he did, but the third period he did because uh, the Ducks should have won this game. I, I think they you know the fl- credit to the Flames for having a game like this on a back-to-back it's tough to kind of you know keep things going and and hold on in the third period but Cam Talbot really held them
1: in there he was the story of the latter half of the game and John Gibson was the story of the beginning half of the game it just kind of worked out that way um good overall performance I would feel like from the Ducks I was very impressed with their third period push um what was your overall feeling though Going into this game, being at the second on the on the second half of a back to back for the Flames, are you pretty confident on the Flames being able to play this type of game, or, or did you really think the Ducks were able to take it to them?
2: uh it, it's a little bit of both because the Flames got their asses handed to them from the Kings last night, which obviously didn't feel too good. So I felt like they kind of were, were going to have a little bit more energy to come back and, and have a bounce back performance. But you know, going into the third, uh, I believe game was tied at that point, right? It's one one after after the two. second period. Yep. And, uh, you know, you know, they're going to be the tired team in the third period. And I think the Ducks came out strong and, and, you know, maybe not early in the third period, but they turned it on and it got some chances. But I think, you know, second period, they started to turn things on a little bit and it was more of an even period. But the first they're a bit slow. And I think, you know, in the end of the game, especially when a team's on a back to back and the beginning of a game, Is when you've got to jump on a team who's on that second game, and they played the night before. And the Ducks didn't jump on the Flames early. The Flames actually jumped on the Ducks pretty early and caught them off by surprise. So, I I think that's what maybe they're lacking a bit. But I I can't fault that late. You know, probably the last 15 minutes of the third period, the effort the Ducks put in there, I can't fault them for that.
1: No, it was a very good, you know, effort to come back. But like you said, it was kind of a lackluster beginning of the game for them. Just not a lot going on. Um, but we did just, we did start to see progression uh, with that top line. It, it hasn't clicked quite yet with Getzloff, Kumtov, yep. and Kasha, but they had another strong night tonight, and Kasha and Kumtow have come very, very close to converting and creating plays. Uh, that was one of the standouts for me, was that Getzloff line was a big deal tonight.
2: Cash has really become a playmaker this year. Not that he never has been, but he's always been kind of the guy that's the shooter, right? Like we look at his shot totals from last year, and the only one who had uh, a higher shot percentage last year or a higher shot totals last year was Brendan Gallagher in the entire league. And, uh, you know, you expected Andrew Cash to come into this year and be that shooter and and bag a couple goals already. I think he's only got one so far uh but he hasn't he's been a distributor and everybody he's played with he's he's kind of been the setup guy and uh maxim come this game i i think it was his best game and and probably his unluckiest game cuz he had a few oh, chances boy. Uh, after they switched the lines around, actually, he had a few chances. I think they switched him uh, with Richie. I believe uh, Dave pointed that out in the cha- in the chat. The moment they switched Comtois with Richie and-, and he got on that other line, he was playing really well. And he had a couple good chances where he kind of just fanned on it. He set up Sam Steele in the third period for a one-timer that Sam Steele just missed on. Like uh, I-, I would be surprised if they didn't put him on that line. Uh, for the next game here because i think he's starting to get things going he just needs to bury one like he it was like max jones last year you just need to get one and, and yeah. then hopefully they start going for you. yeah
1: let's let's talk about max jones a second we can, we have plenty to talk about with that line uh, i want to get to that for sure that kid line they put together uh, for the latter half of the game but max jones scratched tonight was that odd for you Devin Shore? In max jones scratched uh delorier was in tonight obviously because it's this- this Flames team's got Milan Lucic. this guy Kachuk. It's got some guys to mix it up. Is
2: this Daryl Sutter whispering in the ear of Dallas Aikens and saying, <laughs> "Hey, this is a this is a heavy hockey game"? Playing Nick Delorier. Uh-huh. Scratch. So I, I mean, I, yeah, that's. I think I saw a couple people say this is a heavy hockey game, so Nick Delorier's is in. But Max Jones isn't a small guy. <laughs> like, let's 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 get the, the you know, look at the guys that they put out of the lineup. Devin Shore maybe isn't the type of guy, I guess, to mix it up. Uh, but Max Jones, he's, he's no small guy by any means. Well, so, uh, let's talk
1: about that real quick, about Devin Shore. He's been playing really great. I i think he should be in the lineup anyway. But why put DeLaurier in at this point? He didn't fight. He didn't do anything tonight. In fact, like, when Luchitz got a little crazy, it was and Holzer that was in his face. It was it was Jacob Larson that had tried to defend himself. And then John Gibson kind of pulling his knee out from under him. It, it wasn't like this was some sort of quote unquote man's game where you had to you had to drop the gloves and take and take a you know the opposite line and and throw down. I don't understand the reasoning behind some of this because DeLore is not really a game changer in any way, shape or form. I, I mean I, I didn't see the need to scratch Jones for this game at all to play Devin Shore. I, I don't understand I, I think the, the logic behind it.
2: I think the Ducks have three guys it looks like so far based off guys who've been scratched already that are going to be kind of rotating in and out and it seems like that's going to be Nick DeLore Max Jones and Devin Shore because those are the guys we've seen scratched on a regular basis so far this year. We really haven't seen anybody else get scratched. Maybe was Max come to us scratched at all since getting called up? I, I don't know if he was scratched at all. Maybe one game at most but other than that it's just been those three guys and I think those are the three guys we're going to see continue to be scratched. I would be i'd be surprised if one of Maxim come to max jones isn't sent down though they're waiver exempt if you're going to keep scratching them every now and then and play them in a few games and and in max jones's case only play him on the fourth line I, you gotta send him down and give him some first yeah. line minutes in san diego as much as i'd love to see him play like Maxim come looks like he's going to be a guy that's going to continue to get top six chances or top nine chances and max jones seems to be that guy who just rotates in and out on that fourth line with grant with uh grant and rowney so uh, I think Max Jones eventually gets sent down to San Diego, depending on. What do you
1: think of what Dave said in chat right now? Broadcast said that Akins likes to get people in the lineup every once in a while to have them feel part of the team.
2: No, I, 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 I that sounds like a Dallas Akins thing, based on his coaching style. And what we yeah. know about the guys so far, that that sounds about right, and and I can I can kind of understand that, right? I think the broadcast also mm-hmm. said like you don't want to have a guy sitting out five games and he doesn't feel part of the team anymore. You might as well send him down at that point. So. I, I kind of agree with that, but when you've got a young guy like Max Jones or a young guy like Maxim Comtois that you can send down instead of them sitting in the press box every other game, you might as well do that. I think it's better for a player like Max Jones for him to be down in San Diego playing a, a lot more minutes and, and kind of furthering his development. I'm sure Max Jones would rather... I don't want to. I don't want to say he'd rather sit in the press box. I'm sure he'd rather be up with the team, getting chances, a chances to prove himself. And if that comes with sitting in the press box every now and then, and then jumping in a game where he can actually prove himself at the NHL level, maybe he, you know, wants to do that more than playing in San Diego. Mm-hmm. But uh, me personally, I, I would rather see one of them down in San Diego than scratched every other game. Now, Devin Shore, there's not much you can do, right? Like. Devin Shore and Nick Deloria, like those guys you can't send down unless you're going to send down Jones and Comtois and then have no extra roster spots there. Then you could do that because you could play Devin Shore in the top nine and Deloria on the fourth line. Yep. But uh, I think they like having one of those spare forwards, And I think Shore and Deloria are probably going to be those rotating guys for most of the season.
1: Now, the gets off line with Comtois and Kasha, to me, they, got, they, they played 12, I'm looking at right now, 12 minutes and 31 seconds, five on five. Got absolutely caved with scoring chances against, but when they did have opportunity, they did look dangerous five on five. The kid Who did they play against? Who the were they
2: matched hand, against, against, I
1: guess I mean, line? I would have to go and check. I'm sure it was I mean It was either Monaghan
2: and Goodrow or Backlin and Kachuk, I would I would have to think, because and I believe I believe it was Backlin and Kachuk that got matched against Getzlav because they started the they started the game with Monaghan and Goodron. I think the Ducks started the game with Henrik, Ricard, uh, Ricard Raquel, and Jakob Silverberg. I think that's the matchup that they were going with. I didn't check if that was going on for the rest of the game. I mean, Goodrow saw
1: Josh Manson, Hampus Lindholm, and Henrik line sure. the most.
2: Yeah, okay. So that's that's they started the game with that, and they, they continue that throughout the rest of the game. So I'm guessing that uh, Getzlaff was out there most of the time against Backlund and Kachuk. And, and for a league, that's the Flames shutdown line, if you want to call it that. And uh, I think that's, you know where the Flames were probably trying to get them out against, and they were just going for Monaghan against the Ducks' best line. It was pretty much 1v1 in the top two lines for both teams, because I think right now you would have to say Henrik Silverberg and Raquel is the Ducks' best line.
1: They killed it tonight, too. They looked so good. That line looked damn good. But that kid line, they were only together for seven minutes and change. (laughs) But that kid line (laughs) was was sick tonight. Yeah, that that kid line was absolutely sick.
2: Yes. Yeah, we, we haven't seen that because I think the last kid line we saw was Jones stealing mm-hmm. Terry, right? Was mm-hmm. that? And that was the last game and come to us still played with Getzlaff and and uh, Kasha. I think based off how they played in the third period, and yes, it's against a tired team and you already had some momentum going, but I would think that would earn them a go, right? In, in the next game, you would have to think and, and I guess Richie, up with uh, Getzlaff and Cash, or, or I guess I didn't mention Richie's also a guy who's been scratched as well. So Richie, if he doesn't get scratched, Devin Shore maybe jumps back up with Getzlaff and Cash because on well, well, that line
1: he Devin was too, I was mean he good. was he was uh, what he had a he had a dumb play against Buffalo, got scratched on Friday against I think Carolina. he's been scratched twice though he's been yeah, scratched twice I think it's so. against I think it's when he makes dumb plays <laughs> like, yeah. he gets scratched Which, he might be scratched ten or fifteen games this year then maybe but he, he had a will of a game <laughs> tonight, dude. Nick he Ritchie had quietly yeah. had a really good game tonight.
2: Especially near the end, Cam Talbot denied him about three or four times on very good scoring opportunities. So, And, and again, right after the, the line switch where, where Richie went up with gets and cashless, so maybe we see that as well heading into the next game.
1: How would you feel about uh, Larson and Holzer together tonight?
2: It honestly wasn't that bad. I didn't see them make too many mistakes. There was a couple turnovers from them. Uh, I don't think they led to, they didn't lead it to any goals. They led to a couple scoring chances here and there, but I I like tolts jumping up the play a little bit every now and then he actually made a couple of good plays where he pinched kept the puck in i think he had a couple of good scoring chances set up some plays that almost led to some goals and uh, jakob larson was mixing up with milan lucic for oh, yeah. most of the game after that first period so not it, the boy it, he was to
1: pick on i was very surprised yeah
2: be- better better than it, i guess what i expected for those two to be put together mm-hmm. you know right now it'd be nice to have Brandon Gooley in the lineup you could clearly tell the ducks are missing that type of player in there when they have to play delzato and holzer nothing against those guys i think they've been steady for the ducks they've been you know not bad which is better than you kind of kind of expect from those guys they're seventh or sixth or seventh defensemen so brandon gooley coming back is going to be really beneficial to that blue line putting it back with cam Fowler, being able to roll two strong pairings and then you don't have to rely on a pairing like larson and holzer as much as the ducks did tonight
1: oh i agree well, hey, man, let's hop into the game and start breaking down some of the plays here. Uh, John Gibson, everyone already knows, is already in net. The lines were set up. Um, like we said, Max Jones out. I don't really get it, and it's kind of whatever at this point. But Calgary coming in off after a loss to the Kings, and and a, I don't know. I I, would, I really thought that they just expended all their energy, and I had hope because I know those two teams hate each other with a passion, like a playoff passion hate each other, which is great. Yep. And we love that. So I thought tonight the Flames would come in here a little dried up and dead. Not the case. They came out flying in the first period. Um, it was mostly the John Gibson show, I felt like. First and second period, a lot of John Gibson. Would you not, would you not agree with me there?
2: Yeah, it's been pretty much every game he's been in, he's been one of the best Ducks players. And it's going to be like that for the rest of the season. And, and honestly, like... Even when the Ducks eventually get back to a point where they're one of the best teams in the Pacific Division or Western Conference, it's almost going to always be like that with every start John Gibson has, because he's just that good of a goaltender. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of people say that about Andre Vasilevsky. Maybe not this year or so far, but when he plays with Tampa Bay, they're a great team. But every start he plays in, he's almost one of the best team best players on the ice for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Same goes for John Gibson. He's just that good. And he was making some great saves in the first period. I think he robbed Johnny Goodrow on a cross crease pass. And then his best save of that period was on on uh, Michael Frolik on that breakaway. So he's just unreal. Like, it, it's ridiculous. He kept the Ducks in this game early and uh, with a couple good chances in the second. And then uh, a, a duel with Cam Talbot, unexpected duel with Cam Talbot.
1: What about the save as the broadcast called it? I think they called it the Ruby Red Slipper save.
2: Of course they did. <laughs> <laughs> of, of course. Of course they did.
1: <laughs> I laughed out loud. I completely laughed out loud on my couch. I was eating dinner and I was like, Whoa, "What did he say?" I had rewind it and listened to it. Like Are you kidding me? Clicked his heels together and saved the goal.
2: <laughs> <sighs> yeah, th- yeah, that was uh, the Goodrow one where it bounced up behind yeah. him, and, and it kind of yeah. just fell. A little bit of luck there, but I, again, John Gibson getting over there and actually making that save in the first place—like mm-hmm. that's a wide open net on most goalies in this league. To, to, but uh, again, and that. That save on Michael for a leak is a, I don't a game saver, but you know, a period saver in that point where it kept the Ducks in it. Because in the past, I think you know we've, if you had to pick anything apart in John Gibson's game in the past, it was his ability to make a save on the breakaway. You don't really say that anymore. I mean, this guy just has completely put that in the past. I think you know we look at, you look at his game probably about two years ago. Uh, there'd be a breakaway and be like, ah, it's fifty-fifty with him, right? Like he's going to sprawl out and fall and maybe it goes in, maybe it doesn't. He just it seems so much the five-hole goal work. on him, right? It
1: used to be the five-hole yeah. for him.
2: Yeah. He, he just seems more set and composed on breakaways now, and, and that's something I, I think he's probably worked on. You can see it, and especially on this play, he just tracks the puck so well. And you now he does have to make a little bit of a desperation save with the pad, but it's because he's in such a good position to begin with, and, and mm-hmm. he's so athletic that he's able to put himself in a position to make that save.
1: No, it was his show basically the entire first period. Sam Steele getting better and better man hits the post on a play the ducks had a great chance uh in the first period there to get the uh, to get on the board wasn't able to do it i mean and we, there was the power a power play too man they needed that one oh, the power play how do we fix that power play i thought talk, i've talked to jay about it a bit it's not but it's not what really, do
2: you do i think it's better than the numbers i think they're one for 21 after that power Ooh, play, or maybe wee. after the night yeah but it, it's better than it looks better than that right like looking it was bad at less last than
1: 5% year. Ed. <laughs> yeah it, it was it was bad last year and
2: it looked bad it looks better this year you know one thing we talked about last year with why the power play is so bad is they don't have any like cross ice passes any lateral passes it was all passes back to the blue line d to d passes along the along the wall and, and then they're just firing pucks on that hoping it hits somebody you know this pass right here was a lateral pass across the ice gets left to steal and he wires it off the post. Like, we're seeing a lot more of those where the Ducks are getting good chances like those on the power play. They're just not going in. And in and, and this one, they're unlucky. On, like, Cam Talbot gets a piece of it and he he hits it off the post. So they're getting better looks. And I think the success is going to come. And we talked about that with their offense, too. Like, they're getting better looks. They look better this year. The offense is going to come. They're not going to jump into the top ten and goals for, and same goals for power play. But I think when all said and done at the end of the season, they're going to be like a middle of the pack, like ranked 15th to 20th team in offense and on the power play.
1: I, I hope they jump into that middle pack offensively. That would be yeah. a massive improvement for Akins and his team this year to get the team offense back up to where it should be. Uh, Ricky says, it's not a broken power play. You just need to shoot a little more, pass a little less. Broadcasters pointed that out for sure. I think we could agree yeah. with that, right? I mean, they try to make it real pretty a lot. And when it works yeah. and they get the shot away, I mean, they haven't been scoring, but it looks good. But, I mean, everyone points back to the Getzloff one-timer that maybe Omar should have had but didn't because Getzloff's a beast. But, uh, and that one worked out with Steele and Getzy. But I would agree. Too many passes. Get the puck on net as fast as you can to look for rebounds, especially when your power play is suffering.
2: They've got two great units too, and and I think the last time we talked about the power play, the last time I was on the show, we mentioned how good the Buffalo Sabres power play was, and it would be nice to see the Ducks kind of have a similar setup to them. And they do have those options. You, know, you look at the Sabres power play and the way they set up, and, and we saw it up and close in, in the last game that the Ducks played against uh, against Buffalo. I think the Sabres got a power play goal in that game as well, but uh, of course their first Oleson unit got one. Yeah, their, their <laughs> first unit though, uh, Jack Eichel is the kind of the perfect guy to put on that left circle where he's he shoots the puck so much and he's such a danger to shoot nobody really respects him as much as a passer and he ends up pretty much setting up most of Olafson's goals this this so far this year for the sabers but then i think that the big x factor for them is having a guy like rasmus dalit at the power at mm. the point and they they play they play a, a one yeah. three one the power play which is you don't see it too often but it's something I think the Ducks could work well. Like, I think you could put Getzlaff, if he just shot the puck a little bit more, he'd be, you know, put him in that Eichel spot that they have on the power play. You could throw, you know, a guy like Adam Henrique or, or Sam Steele, a left shot guy, Maxim Comtois even, on that far right point. And then you could throw whoever you want at the middle at that point. You could throw Ricardo Ricalo, Silverberg, Andre Kasha, you know, whoever you want to put on the power play. They have two guys up the middle and then just have either Cam Fowler or Hampus Lindholm at the point. And they'd be able to do that, maybe not as efficiently as an as a offensive-minded defenseman like Rasmus Dahlin can, but I think they're they're good enough puck distributors that they would be able to do a good job there. And and maybe that works. You know, the Ducks have run a two-man point for so long that maybe switching it up and having some more wide options would help.
1: Well, you got to go back to last year, this seasons prior <laughs> with Randy Carlisle, the two-man point. Gotta have a guy who can shoot the puck. got a guy who can also play defense. Yep. Make sure that Getzloff gets the shot away. He's got a QB that's like Jesus, dude. I don't get it, man. I don't get it. I'm so glad that the is over with. And I know that at, the problem after this year, best. we won't have to hear about these uh, these recollections we're having. <laughs> you
2: always look at the best power plays, and you know the setup, but you can't stop it. Like, look, for for the longest time, Ovi on the one-timer, and I know Ovi's a, a, just a special player, and, and you can't really stop it, but there's a lot of teams to do that. Tampa Bay's made that successful, where you kind of know what their setup is always going to be. They've got a 1A and a 1B option. And it, it, you're, they're just too good at, at executing it to stop it. And the problem with the Ducks power play this year is it looks a little bit chaotic. Like, they're trying too many things. I think, like Richie mentioned, there's a lot, of, a lot of maybe extra passing that's going on. And there's really no set play that they're trying to get open and make it happen. Like, whether it's a one-timer, a shot from Getzloff, or a cross you know, cross ice pass to whoever's on that left side for a one-timer. There's really no set play that i think they're trying to execute it's just they're looking they're, you know they're making passes and, and kind of reading the play as it goes and that's maybe not the best thing i think for you know when you look at the elite power place in this league
1: no i agree and i like Getzloff in that position you know having him down there in the eichel slot the eichel uh, position there i think it makes a lot of sense let's get to the first goal of the game it's early in the second period and, of course, why wouldn't it be Jacob Silverberg? That guy's on fire. He's leading the way offensively. Uh, you know, him not being tethered down to, to match up as a defensive forward. He's, he, I mean, he's really been playing well. And, and honestly, I really was happy. I mean, I love the pass from uh, from Lindholm, but that rush by Manson creates the entire play. Um, yeah. And these two guys have not looked good defensively this season. I totally get it. Uh, and I, everyone knows that... Yeah. You know, I ride on uh, the coattails of Hampus Leno was uh, one of my favorite players on the team for sure. But they had a better game tonight. Uh, But this just shows you what a difference in systems it is when you have both defenders rushing all the way up the ice. Yeah. By the time the puck gets in, in the zone, there's not a single duck that's not in the offensive zone driving that. Ricard Raquel was the last man back by the time that puck hit the back of the net. What a play there, man. What a beautiful passing play for the Ducks.
2: Yeah, it's it's a great one two between Manson and Ricard Raquel that sets up that play. Manson fires just a bullet pass up the center of the ice to Ricard Raquel. He kind of brings it in quick and dishes it back up to Manson who, like you said, wouldn't be making that play last year but he's rushing up the right side of the boards to get it up the ice. He feeds it up to, uh, I believe it was Hampus Lindholm who's back and he's in the play, engaged in the play as well. And then kind of a great move to the backhand for Lindholm and he throws it over to Silverberg who's on fire and and I know Brett's loving it because I have a bet with Brad, who's always in our chat and, and a friend of the show, that Silverberg's going to score 30 goals this year. I said he was going to be under and he's already at five in, uh, <laughs> five, in nine, games. nine games now, so it's not looking too good for me. He's on a pretty good pace to, to hit close to 40 this year and Maybe he slows down. I, I don't want to say I hope he slows down because I'd rather him score 30 or 40 goals this year. It would help the Ducks immensely if he did that, but uh, not looking too good for me. But great for Silverberg, man. He's off to a great start. And, and that chemistry between him and Ricardo Raquel makes you think, like, how do they not do this sooner? How do they? Uh-huh. How have these two guys never been put together? And, and honestly, I feel so good for Jakob Silver that he's finally been put into position to excel offensively. How long was he anchored on that shutdown line Ooh, with uh, Andrew Cogliano and, and Ryan Kessler? And, and yes, that was a great line and it had, it had its purpose back in the day for the Ducks. But this is really the first opportunity he's, he's given. And I guess the first coach he's had where he's been able to go out and just play offensively and use his creativity and, and use that shot that we've talked about for so long. To, to be you know one of the main offensive weapons for this team, so it's nice to see him. Man, it's a, it's nice to see him getting that chance and taking advantage of it.
1: Well, yeah, and you know what though, speaking of Jacob Silverberg, it, it, what your point is on that is how did they not notice this before that he was this kind of a quality offensive threat when whenever there was a shootout? Why was that like a thing? Like looking back on a hindsight's twenty twenty, <laughs> but hey, he's our he best the shooter guy. on the team. <laughs> That's our money guy on a breakaway. Why wouldn't you give that guy the chances on five on five and on the power play, like you like you think you should? That just shows you, you know, the prehistoric system that was set in place. That yeah, kind of I really just put put how down. good
2: that line
1: was too, right? Like we uh, yes. we can't act like we didn't talk about how great that totally. line was. I said hindsight's twenty twenty. I agree yeah. with you. I agree, but it's amazing that this wasn't found out by smarter people than us. <laughs> yeah. to, to utilize kind of him offer that
2: i think everybody kind of sat there and said you know silverberg has the shot and he has the release to be a guy who can score 30 or 40 goals but is he ever going to get there and i think maybe we put a little bit more onus and and on him just not being able to do it maybe not you know we maybe we should have been blaming the coaches a bit more and randy carlyle for not utilizing him in that role and and you know giving them the i guess the opportunity to go out there and and the freedom to go out there and express uh-huh. himself offensively which from his comments before the season even started that you know, not talk about how this is most excited he's ever been going into a season you know he had a good conversation with dallas akins where he sat down and said hey man like go out and do you this year like you're not you you're not going to be our our shutdown defensive winger anymore like go out there we're going to play with ricard raquel we're going to you're going to be playing with arguably the most creative player on the ducks And go out there and score goals, because that's what we need you to do. And he's responded perfectly. Like Him and Ricardo Raquel have been the Ducks' best two players, and those were the two guys who needed to be really good this year.
1: I mean, Silverwood could have easily had probably three goals tonight. Could he not have? I mean, that guy could have had a Hattie tonight for sure. He got absolutely robbed by Cam Talbot on a beautiful passing play that cut him to the front of the net alone. And this was kind of a theme that transpired throughout the rest of the game. Silverberg not able to lift the puck over the pad of Cam Talbot. Richie not able to lift the puck over the pad of Cam Talbot. Maxine Comtois not able to lift the puck over the pad of Cam Talbot. It just seemed like Talbot, in the broadcast, I hate giving him credit, <laughs> plays the percentages, and he wins the game. He was able yeah. to stay low, block the lower portion of the net, and that was that was all she wrote uh, for tonight. But, so what
2: you're saying is we're missing Ryan Kessler being able to hold down Cam Talbot's pad. That's what you're saying? Uh, allegedly he held down pads it was allegedly <laughs> allegedly ah oh, man well cam talbot
1: in this game i feel bad for making fun of him because- <laughs> you're the reason coach bombay and chad says that he's bad luck because he probably went to the game and he's all bummed out about it you're the reason why this whole game you got screwed up that it's all your fault man you haven't been on many podcasts and you come onto the pod and you make fun of cam talbot and that's the end of the night for the boys Man, it, it is what it is.
2: It is what it is. I can't, I can't take it back now. Uh, good, good-ish first period for the Ducks, mm-hmm. right? Like they come out one up 1-0. One, uh, second period, talk. you That's mean? All second am, period. Been off the podcast for too long. Can't even talk anymore. Uh, yeah, good good first period for the Ducks. Not a great start. John Gibson bailing them out early. Uh, but they turned things around, and I think they, they kind of had a strong finish to that, and they translated that a bit to the second period too.
1: Yeah, no, and so after that goal by Raquel – the Ducks uh, would press a little bit, but they'd also get caught, and Michael Stone's able to bury a goal. I don't know if you're going to throw that up here on our Twitch, but uh, my lord, Gibby never saw that happen. He never saw the pass, nope. never saw the shot, never saw the play develop. Um, I think Fowler was on the wrong side of the ice, and then there's, someone was fighting in front of Gibson, and Gibby was just like, shit. <laughs> he it was Monahan. Uh, Monaghan
2: Monaghan and Delzato were battling in front of the net and Delzato kind of breaks free and then stands right in front of John Gibson and uh, the shot just like he's not even set he's not even in position to make a save he's kind of standing up trying to look over Delzato who's standing straight up which isn't an easy thing to do uh, and stone just wires I don't think he's even trying to place it it just gets lucky enough that it into the top corner doesn't hit anything it's a good placement of a shot but I don't think he was trying to aim for there uh, a little bit on Delzotto there, maybe a good play by Monaghan to tie him up and kind of create havoc in front of John Gibson to to kind of disturb him from being able to see the puck. But uh, yeah, that's that's a tough one. You know, Gibby Gibby can't do anything there. There's nothing you can do. Like he can't see it. There's nothing you can do. There's man.
1: literally nothing you could have done on that shot. What do you What yeah. do you wanted to do? He didn't even see it. It was just a perfectly placed bomb from the point, point. Um, and it made it one one. And then Richie. Would just get involved in this game and be all over the ice and have chances. Rings one off the post. Silverberg with a great pass. Um, and in my notes, I put secondary scoring really needs to break through here. And tonight's one of those nights where they absolutely needed it and didn't get it. They didn't get the yep. secondary scoring from the kids or from the fourth line uh, or the third line. That they, they need that extra push that they got. That's what they got in the last the finish. two games exactly they need they needed that secondary scoring to kick in it just dried up tonight yeah
2: they haven't seen it at all really all season except for the last two games against carolina and buffalo where you know troy terry scored in that game the fourth line was going you had uh you know the top line still going with adam Henrique and silverberg and raquel as well which you need but andre cash at some point is gonna is gonna break through and score some goals you know that's gonna happen the way he's playing and Nick Ritchie had a very good game tonight. Maxim Comtois had a good game. Unlucky, I believe, he hit the post too. Sam Steele hit the no. post at one point. Nick Deloria hit the post as well. He hit the crossbar. Like, a lot of guys from all over the Nick place DeLaurier. hitting the post. <laughs> and, and, yeah. He's not going to be in the lineup as much. But, yeah, a very unlucky night for the Ducks' secondary scoring. Uh, you know, Obviously, the only the only line to get the goal was the, the hottest line right now in Silverberg, Raquel, and Henrique. But... Uh, you would have expected this to be a game where those guys would have got on the score sheet. Like you look at expected goals and the ducks, uh, had, were, uh, they were like 2.58 to like 1.4 in expected goals. So they, on paper, you look at especially then that shot up in the, in the third period too, like it was even after the second. And then right in the third period, it shot up and, and the ducks had a lot of, a lot of high danger uh, scoring chances in that period too. So that, that kind of helped it out a bit, but man, they, they definitely should have, some of those guys should have got on the board tonight. To three-two league,
1: as Daryl Sutter said uh, many years ago. Three-two league, very close, very close. Low-scoring Dave, game. So you
2: mentioned the, the Ducks didn't take any penalties tonight.
1: Yeah, that's very interesting. And even with Deslorie and Nick pod? Ritchie,
2: did you guys talk about that in the last pod? Ducks having a bunch of penalty issues this year. Is that, I think I saw that on Twitter actually.
1: Oh yeah, they had a, they had a bunch of penalty issues against the against the Sabers, and they you know they withheld all, all but one goal. On the power play. I mean, Buffalo, Guess, I think, went uh, one, one for five eight. Power play in the league, yeah. Yeah, Buffalo went one for eight, and then unfortunately we didn't have a show on on Friday. But, yeah, that's uh, – the Ducks, their specialty teams have been good except for the power play. So just their penalty kill. Yeah, and the power play hasn't <laughs> been as bad as no, it looks, the numbers say either. it looks, it looks better, better for sure.
2: If you're comparing it to last year, it looks better. It still doesn't look great because it's a bit chaotic but it, it there's more creativity in the sense that you're getting, you know, these lateral passes and cross ice passes that we didn't see at all last year, which we were kind of begging for last year. And every time we saw, we're like, wow, like we don't see that often. Like there, there's one that you see, like maybe once every three power plays that they get. Cause last year it was just kind of dump it in. And then the other team would dump it out, but there's more setup this year. There's, there's more created creativity. There's more scoring chances. It's just right now they're not putting in the back of the net.
1: No, I would agree with you on that for sure. Um, we got to talk a little bit about uh, the third period here, the most unfortunate of all the periods, because they didn't get it done, and they came very close. Comtois, Steele, and Terry, they had a shift. I would call it the shift for the kids that I want to see next game. I want to see that in Nashville on Tuesday. I want to see those three kids Mm -hmm. in the lineup together and play the way they played tonight. I get that against against the Flames. and You know what, though? I don't think Nashville's all that amazing either this season, so I think they could definitely pull this off. But uh, they had their chances, man. They really had their chances in that third and couldn't convert. But uh, the unfortunate play that happened, the Ducks got caught on a change in the neutral zone, and the Flames had converted on what a 2-1-1. What a pretty pass. That was a very, very nice pass. Uh, from I think it was from Matthew Kachuk, got it all the way over to Backlund on a 2-1-1 rush. Gibson literally almost had that puck, too, because Backlund yeah. fired it towards the middle of the net, but uh, Gibby wasn't able to get it, and we have a 2-1 game.
2: The way John Gibson's playing, and not just this season, but in this game, you look at the two goals that were scored on by uh, against him. Like The first one, nothing he could do. He can't even see it because Del Zotto's in front of him. And this one is a two-on-one. It's a one-timer. Not much he can do. He did pretty much everything he could. He just couldn't get a piece of it. So you feel bad for the guy because this is kind of what he faced all last season where the Ducks couldn't score any goals. And, and the, the goals that were scored against him most of the time were ones he really couldn't do anything about. You don't really ever see john gibson led in weak goals that often you know the only time we really started seeing that last year is when after the news came out that he was fatigued you look back and you started seeing you know some of the weak goals that came in after that you don't see it too often from him so it's disappointing for him you know he's pissed about it because he'll go back and look at at the two goals and say there's nothing he could do about that at all like this is a game where he was pretty close to being perfect in this
1: Mm -hmm. mm-hmm and he made outstanding saves I, he's definitely one of the one of the top three players in the game for me tonight, John Gibson. Uh, the other one being, for sure, ta- uh, i almost said tablet. I hate that I said that once and it's like stuck <laughs> in my head. It's so annoying. Tab- was it last
2: year that you said this? Wait, yeah, oh yeah, I yeah, yeah. remember. It was Jay it, yeah.
1: and I on a show, and Jay just couldn't couldn't stop laughing and like ripped me for saying tablet. Of course, but uh, yeah, those two those two goaltenders, man, uh, they they killed it tonight, and the Ducks weren't able to pull through here. And the Flames went for the second time at Honda Center in, the in last 15 years. years. Insanity. Um, I don't know, man. I wasn't too upset about it, though. I really wasn't because the boys played good tonight. They played a really good game. It was
2: like the loss against Boston where, yeah, they lost. Boston's a great team. But they played really good in that game. Like, they probably deserve – I don't know if – they deserve to win the game in Boston, but it deserved to be a lot closer. I think they they were close to being the better team against Boston. I think they were the better team in this game, but mostly because of their play in the third period. I think the first, they got slightly outplayed by the Flames, but not by much. And the second, I think, was fairly even. And and the third is where they really stepped it up. And I think, again, that's maybe because the Flames were tired off a back-to-back, and you usually see that in a game... Like this, where just the opposing team's coming off a, a game the, the night before, but it's not the it's not the typical back to back, right? Like they didn't have to travel; they played in LA the night before, so it's it's kind of a minor back to back. They're just dealing with the fatigue from playing at a game uh, in you know yesterday. So tough, tough loss. You, you know, I, again, I'm not disappointed, like you said. But this is one that you're going to look back at the end of the season, especially against the Pacific Division team that we expect to be competing for a playoff spot with the Ducks, mm-hmm. that you don't even get a point out of it. you know. Maybe it doesn't mean anything nine games in, but when you go back at the end of the season and look at how many points are separating the Flames from the Ducks, this is a game we're going to look back on.
1: Yeah, no, you have to look back on it and wonder what you know if they could have pulled this one off, which I obviously we clearly think they could have. But it's still early in the season, nine games in. They start a road trip here coming up. Um, They have a few games here where they're going to be outside of Honda Center, and and I think it's going to be some tough ones for them. I think that they're really going to have to, uh, for lack of a better word here, put the nose to the grindstone and really see what they're made of here in the next three games. They have some pretty good competition coming up here, Ed. I I think that uh, the game against Nashville is going to be a good one. Uh, Dallas is trying to get out of their funk, and then Colorado on Saturday, and then Vegas on Sunday. That's a tough four-gamer for sure.
2: Yeah. Dallas is a better team than i think the way they've been playing this year we talked about that we had a rant show mm-hmm. for patreon earlier today that we recorded that we have to post still but we talked about the dallas stars and, and their bad start to the season and how they're probably a better team than the way they're playing right now uh but those other three teams man like nashville they're not the nashville from you know two years ago or last year i think even like they're not the team where they're clearly one of the best teams in the western conference they're still a very good team uh, and they're still a scary team to play against. But, uh, man, that Colorado game is going to be tough. The way Colorado's playing, still the only team to not lose in regulation <sighs> to start the season. Yeah. And, and then Vegas is always a tough game. Is that Vegas game at, at Honda Center or is it in no, Vegas? No,
1: it's in Vegas Is on the second half of a back-to-back.
2: Oh man, that's is it. Colorado the night before, and then yes, Vegas after that. Yes. Yeah, it's two yeah, that, that's,
1: Two monster games.
2: That's going to be a tough one. I mean, it helps when you have probably the best goalie duel in the league, and and Gibson and Miller, and you're able to kind of roll those oh, two guys. Oh, whoa
1: whoa, 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 dude! It's Carey Price
2: and Keith Kincaid. <laughs> Slow your roll. Yeah, your buddy, Cam, your buddy, can Campbell uh, loves Carey Price. God, did, I you the, did You see the, did she the save Keith Kincaid made tonight? I was thinking about that. Oh, he did how the little,
1: he, little windmills crap and yeah. caught the puck. Yeah, I know. I saw that. I thought people saying save the people in save it the season. But, oh, uh, oh, well, they didn't see the ruby red slippers save here tonight. They didn't see the uh, the the Hayward save. <laughs> but uh, Gibby's was better. Gibby's was better. Yeah, was it's going to be tough. It's, it's it's probably
2: I don't want to say it's their their first real challenge, but it it. It kind of is like Boston was is, was a challenge.
1: Dallas is the first real challenge. That's gonna be a tough game. I really think it's sure? going to be a tough game. Are you serious? All the emotion with uh, Corey Perry. They you know they have to look at their alternate captain across from them on that night, and uh, there'll be many. You think Dallas
2: is the is the the toughest game out of like Vegas and Colorado? Oh and no! NFL? I said
1: I, I think it's tougher than Nashville. If I was gonna rate these games, oh, I would go, okay, I would okay. go Vegas, Colorado. Dallas-Nashville. I would de- I would go backwards sure. through the schedule and say from rank from scariest team to easiest team. I think Nashville is the weaker of all these teams they are going to be playing this week. Yeah,
2: sure. I, I think that ranking is right. Uh, is Colorado in Colorado too?
1: Yeah, I'll be there. I'll be in Colorado. I leave for Colorado here coming up this week. So I'll be in Colorado on that Saturday. I'm hoping I can get tickets because uh, I would love to go and experience that. that's a hot ticket. Colorado, right, where oh, they're it, playing. it is. And upper seats? 24 bucks, but they're tiny. I'm a, I'm a big dude. I don't want to sit upstairs. <laughs> I want to sit in the lower bowl. Lower bowl was like 110 a seat. And I was like, Ugh, I don't know if I want to spend $110 a ticket. But uh, we'll see. We'll see where that goes. Ed, before we get to the post game notes and our questions and all that, can you talk to everybody about coolhockey.com and what they do for us for Forever Mighty three stars?
2: Yeah. I, if you haven't found us yet on Twitter, uh, make sure you do it at Forever Mighty FM. But before every game, uh, we did. I guess it's been two seasons now. I think we've been doing yeah, this for two years, two and a half. I think this is. So I think this is the third, the third season that we're running it. Uh, it's for mighty three stars and cool hockey gives us a jersey each month that we give away to the prediction winner. So before each game, we post up three predictions. You have to guess the Ducks' first goal score, the final score of the game, and then a random third question that we we change up pretty much. Uh, I think we rotate through like ten different ones, or fifteen different ones throughout the month. And at the end of the month, if you have the most points, you win a free customized Jersey from cool hockey it can be any Jersey you want last year. I think 95% of them were the ducks third Jersey, because obviously probably everybody playing the game are ducks fans. And I think every Jersey was a ducks Jersey last year. And, uh, yeah, actually, maybe all of them were the Ducks third jersey. I'm pretty sure they all have third were. jerseys. I'm pretty sure. But either way, either way, you can get any jersey you want. So if you don't want a Ducks jersey, you can get any jersey you want. You can get it customized. It's like a $250 value. You get it for free as long as you just compete and, and, and get the predictions right. And uh, you want to compete every game, make sure you go to our Twitter in 45 minutes before any game. Look for those questions and, and uh, put your predictions in. And if you have the most points at the end of the month, you win yourself a free jersey. And if you don't win, you can go to coolhockey.com and use our code FM20 you get 20% off a of jersey anyway so you it's, it's a bit of a win win
1: no it's it's amazing we love coolhockey.com go check them out and save some money with our code like I said FM20 or win the month think win a free jersey and get it customized they're legit they're great Yeah, and uh, you should definitely buy your jerseys from there anyway they're good people too, and, to support uh, the show
2: for Brett and, and Brett and Ricky asking the chat when the update is coming out for that. Yes, it's the update. I was actually working on updating it today. I'm like five games behind.
1: Hey, uh, when you guys leave Eddie alone, he's been working like a dog <laughs> in the dark for 12 hours a day, comes home, not allowed to sleep. He's been on a month long without sleep. But watching hockey, you guys got to give the guy a break. He's Canadian. He's very nice. He's got to cut him a little bit of slack, just a tiny bit.
2: Update, but update is coming. Update is coming. <laughs> uh, I I work mornings the next couple of days, and I finally switch jobs on Wednesday, so there'll be no more working nights. So a lot of the updates will be coming out more regularly after that. So uh, I hopefully will have the update out tomorrow. If not Tuesday before Tuesday's game that's yeah. likely when you'll see it. And it'll be like a full update of uh, every game, even including today's game.
1: Oh, Ricky says you might want to check the FM20 code. He tried buying a jersey in December and it didn't work. Oh, we got to contact our boys at Cool Hockey to see what's up with the code. Yeah, it, it might just
2: be I have to go in and, and refresh it because I haven't gone into the account we have not refreshed in a bit, so
1: I'll check that out. Yeah, and, and I mean, in a bit. He's talking like 11 months. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 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 we have to make sure we get that looked at for sure. Uh, all right, man. Do you want to get to questions? You got some post game talk you want to do first? Uh, you want to hit? Let's people go to post game talk. Okay, let's
2: go to the post game talk. And so we, like I said, we recorded a rant show today, and one of the topics we were going to discuss was uh, a it was an article on trade partners for Taylor Hall, possibly at the deadline, depending on. The, if he wants to stay with the Devils or not, he's in the last year of his contract, and the Devils aren't starting and playing that good, and maybe he wants to leave and join his third team. And they listed two other teams on there. I didn't care about them. The third team they listed uh, was the Anaheim Ducks, surprisingly enough. And I'll read the quote from the article that talked about why the Ducks could be interested in... in uh, in Taylor Hall, and it says uh, Shiro and Bob Murray have an established recent history of trades, and sending Hall out west would mean only seeing him once a year. The Ducks Ah. could waste another brilliant season from John Gibson if they don't find some run support, and since the Corey Perry buyout, they actually have some cap flexibility, $6.5 million for the first time in a long time. Anaheim is solid up the middle. New coach Dallas Aikens has them as an early surprise, but the Ducks would benefit immensely from a playmaking winger. I don't necessarily disagree with any of that. The only thing – I think this article is suggesting that he's a rental because they talked about the buyout buyout relief for this year being $6.5 million. Obviously, that changes next year where it's only a relief of like $2 million. And uh, Taylor Hall is only making six this year, which is doable for the Ducks. Uh, i don't hate it I just you don't know what it, like, imagine what a guy like that's going to cost as a rental we didn't get to see it last year because panarin didn't go anywhere at the deadline and a player like that hasn't really been moved at the deadline in a very long time but uh he is what the ducks could use right now he's exactly what the he's what the ducks could have could have used for how long now ten, last 10 years looking for a top line left winger
1: I mean, yes, I'm pretty sure that uh, we all had the Ducks making the playoffs in some sort of fashion, so maybe a rental does make sense. But is it a Bob Murray move? Absolutely not. No, absolutely it's not. absolutely not a Bob Murray move. We could talk all day about how we need this guy, we need this guy. We could probably get him for you know this skater and this pick. I mean, Brett is mocking GMs across the nation, which I appreciate. Shout out to Brett because I love general managers in this league. They make dumb trades all the time. Um, he said it's going to be one for one Hall for Larson, and uh, because that would make sense because <laughs> it's a playoff. Yep. Obviously, because of Larson and Hall being traded for between Edmonton, which is great. I love that.
2: <laughs> um, it, l- listen, I, I think you're right about it not being a Bob Murray move. He he doesn't go in on overpriced rentals to begin with, and I think you look at what Taylor Hall could cost at the deadline. You know, the, the Devils wouldn't be in a position to really bargain too much with teams and in a position to you know up the price too much. But you know, at his price only being $6 million, that there'd be tons of teams interested in in taking that. on. obviously, that that price would even be even less as a cap hit when it comes close to the trade deadline. So the amount of teams being interested in him would be be pretty high. And the Ducks would still have to play a hefty price. But I I, I can't put it out of the question to say the Ducks would try and make a trade and sign him. Obviously, or uh, you would think it would be a sign and trade similar to what Mark Stone did with uh, Ottawa when he got traded to Vegas. And that, that deal was a hefty price for Ooh. Vegas to pay because they gave up Eric Branston as well. So I, I could see it happening, maybe, if he but only if they're able to sign him. Because How, it's funny is like this old.
1: One. How funny is this one? Dave says Hall for Henrique? Henrique, go back to Jersey, bro. Go back to Jersey.
2: I don't know, man. It, it's a tough one. It's a tough one because... There is that history there between Ray Shiro and Bob Murray. I'm not going to deny that. They have made some trades recently. But uh, what do the Ducks give up there? Because, uh, you know, the, the Devils are a young team. They're rebuilding, but they just went out and got PK Sue Ben, and they're going to want to try and win while they have him, right? And he's, what, 28, 29? Getting close to 30 now. Look, look they're not gonna it's going to
1: start with Sam Steele, or it's going to start with Andre Kasha. It's going to start with a young player who's impactful. It's I think not going it, to be a known end guy. Think
2: I think it starts with a winger because they've got Jack Hughes and Nico Hischer up the center. don't think they need a guy like Sam Steele. You have to look at the guy who's been most recently involved in trade discussions about the Ducks, and I think that's Andre Casha. I think that's probably where it starts if you're trying to bring yeah. in a player like Taylor Hall. Um, Is it worth it? And and I, and then I think if you're, you're looking at a sign and trade too – then it, it probably goes up from there. You're likely looking at your, you know, cash and your first round pick from this year, uh, and then probably defenseman, likely not a starting guy, but a prospect. The Ducks don't have a ton of those. You're not going to trade, you know, if you're bringing a player like Taylor Hall, you're not going to trade away a starter like Gouley or Fowler, or Lindholm, or, or Manson. Would you agree? So you know, only trade, add,
1: you only trade for Taylor Hall if he's going to re-sign one. Yes. And two, if you're in position to make the playoffs this year, that's it.
2: Yeah, no, that's it. Yeah, I, I don't think you trade for him otherwise, other than that. But um, there's a possibility, you know, I think a trade could be put around like cash or first round pick and Josh Mahura. I don't want to do that. I
1: don't want to. I'm out. I'm already Maybe. out on that. I'm
2: out on that. I don't want it. But uh, I, I know. Don't I, mean, I give think it the all the time.
1: I don't want to deal with it. Uh, you're, no, you're Yeah, gonna and, and that's and the and thing. A lot, a lot of, of people. Money. They,
2: Taylor Hall is is no longer super young. He is twenty seven. I thought, you know, I like I was looking the other day, and I was looking when I first saw this article. I was like, Taylor Hall is still like twenty four, right? Mm-hmm. And <laughs> you go look at it. No, he's twenty seven. So it it it's a move that I think, even if it was Casha first-round pick, and, and Josh Maurer, it makes the Ducks better now because Taylor Hall is is a better player than Andre Casha. Yeah,
1: he's turning twenty eight in a month. He turns twenty eight in October. Yeah
2: but it, it's not a move i think with the ducks transitioning that makes sense. and even if you you know even if you're getting him as a pure rental unless you're not giving up too much to get him as a pure rental, which is still not a bob Murray move. Uh, again, it's it's almost no point right now. I, cuz i think even with Taylor Hall are the ducks uh, are the ducks uh, you know competing with the top teams in this league? maybe?
1: no. But, i i would really like to improve on the defense before i worried about about the forward push. I really would. I'd like to see another defenseman come in. They definitely need that scoring touch. Like, we've seen it this season sure. so far.
2: They need a player like Taylor Hall, but what they would cost to give him up, it, it, you would mortgage some of the future to try and win in the next couple of years. And you know, you're looking at signing Taylor Hall probably to a seven-year deal uh, at 28. He's going to be 35 by the time that at deal's done. a $8
1: million dollars a season, by the way. $56 million. Cam Fowler. Yeah, eight, eight, eight or nine.
2: Eight or nine million dollars, and... Again, if you're looking at Kasha, a first-round pick, and Josh Maher, there's no salary cap moving out there. There's no salary at all. So you would have to probably, there'd probably have to be something else that would get changed around there, where different guys would get moved out. I think it's there's too many working parts to try and get it done. But I I can't blame the guy for putting the Ducks on that list because I think they do make sense. And and I, 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 for I agree. <laughs> yeah, that that uh, <laughs> that's a no. I don't think that makes sense. But but clearly. The points that that, that I, I feel bad I don't know the author's name I'll have to load up the article but if you want to look it up it's Sportsnet article it's called Taylor Hall Trade Partners uh, and Quick Shifts I think it is 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 the the column name for now, so go look it up and you can you can read the quote there and who else they had as trade partners but the, points, the point that the author brings up, all the points he brings up are, are good points and they make sense and and they're, they're good reasons for why the Ducks could be interested in a player like Taylor Hall I just don't think it's a Bob Murray move to go get him as a rental.
1: Let's talk about Trevor Zegers, so what's he been doing man? You're the prospect guy, you write for the hockey we writers a question
2: about that. We had a question about that so I actually put that in there as our post game topic and then we got a question about him so I want to Ask the question before I get over it. Uh, Steven said, do you think Zegras will play, or I guess Zegris, we have to get that right because we've been messing it up for a while. Do you think Trevor Zegres will play with the Ducks this season? So Trevor Zegres uh, played two games over the weekend. I believe they are both against Northern Michigan, I think they were. I've been looking at too many prospects. I think they were against Northern Michigan. He had two assists in the first game on the 18th, and he scored his first goal. Uh, against you Northern know, Michigan again uh, yesterday on the nineteenth, I guess two days ago for me now. So he's looking a lot better. He looked really good in the first game, but he was only able to put up an assist in their seven three win over Union. And he's starting to get things going. He's playing on top line with two seniors. I still think we may be seeing him at the end of the year, but it all depends on on how far Boston University goes. I don't think they're one of the top ten college teams in the nation. Uh, they're not you know they're a good team but they're not a great team when you look at you know teams like wisconsin and denver you know those are some of the best teams in the nation so i I still think we see him i don't think i don't think bu goes that far and i think you know come the the final 10 15 games of the season he'll be at a point where he's going to have to make a decision whether he wants to sign his entry-level contract or go back and, and play in the ncaa next year and i can't see him if the ducks are willing to bring him up to the nhl at that point and play some games say no i'm gonna go back to to boston university just from the comments that he's had and everything and man i can't wait to see this kid i can't i can't wait to see this kid play and and put on a ducks uniform i I think he plays at the end of the season anywhere from five to ten games you heard it here yeah i i think he does i i think i said, i don't think boston university goes far enough that he's not going to get a chance and i think he's gonna fit right into this ducks lineup i don't know where he's going to play you know they're going to want to play him up the middle and it all depends on how the injury situation is at the end of the season but when you look at having uh Ryan Getzlaff and Adam Henrique and Sam Steele up the middle and hopefully by the end of the year those guys are all playing well enough to have solidified spots in this lineup you know they'll have to find a way to put him in there maybe they play him at wing and and try and fit him in that way but I would love to see him get some time at the end of the year
1: well hey man let's get to uh our you have any more topics here you want to jump to questions we should probably get to some questions we're running close to an hour
2: Yeah, uh, the other question we had on Instagram was from Sierra. She said, oh, i got to load it up here. It's a bigger question than I thought. She said, what do the Ducks need to do to get their confidence back while facing Nashville on Tuesday?
1: Oh, man, score early. Got to get on the board early in Nashville. Nashville is a tough place to play, and it's notoriously been a tough place to play. But like you said, they're not the same Nashville Predators that we've seen year in and year out the past several seasons. I think getting on the board early would do them wonders. And I would love to see it come from secondary scoring. They need to wake up. The secondary scoring, if this team is going to get to the space that we projected for them, we know we don't have Stanley Cup aspirations, but we have competitiveness aspirations this year. And in order to remain competitive in this conference, you can't have Gibby wear a cape every night. you got to get that secondary scoring. And so I think a secondary scoring player, let's get one of the kids a goal in the first period. I think we turned the game around for them.
2: Yeah, I don't think there's a lack of confidence going coming out of this game. I think the Ducks believe they could have won this game. I think the goals that were scored against them, there's not much you can really fault other than the turnover that led to the two-on-one for uh, the second goal by the Flames. Not much you can do on the first goal other than unless you're you're Michael Delzato, and that's pretty much it um and and the ducks had their chances in the third period and cam talbot just stoned them you know you got beat by a hard goalie in this game and there's not much they can do about that so i think they're going to go in with confidence and and they're going to have the mindset of we're going to play the same way against the predators and you know maybe change a couple things up maybe we see that kid line get put together and and, uh, maybe richie or shore whoever goes up with gets and kasha But I think they largely go in with the same mindset that they had in this game. uh, And I I think they have a real good chance of winning that game. I don't think the the confidence is an issue for this team. You look at the way they've been playing. They're they're full of confidence, especially Henrik and and, uh, Silverberg and and, uh, Raquel, the way they're playing this year. I think that line doesn't need a confidence boost. They're full of confidence.
1: No, put the kids together. Come to us, Steele, and Terry. Get them together. Keep them together. Let's get get them on the board the first period.
2: Uh, Brett asked a question that literally uh, goes into our rant show that uh, he'll be listening to later when we post it up to Patreon. Uh, but I guess we'll answer the question now. He said, are the Ducks the real deal this year, or is this just early season, uh, I guess, an early season boon for them?
1: Go ahead and take that one, Ed.
2: Uh, I think I think they are. And I said this on the rent Show. I think they are the real deal this year. <clears throat> I think the offense is eventually going to get a little bit better. We already said on the show, I don't think it's going to be a top 10 offense, but I think it's going to be middle of the pack. I think that's also going to help the power play, too and we're looking at you know a guy like Ryan Getzlaff who still only has three points in eight in nine games now. And I think he's eventually going to get things going a little bit better. Obviously the, the, the downtick in ice time and, and responsibility has hurt his numbers a bit, but I still think he can finish the season with 40 or 50 points mm-hmm. and that will be an increase in pr- production for him. I think Andre Cash is eventually going to start putting the puck in the back of the net and you're going to see guys that come to, uh, and and steal and Terry get on the score sheet a bit more I think as the season progresses and they get some more experience and the way uh, Raquel and Silverberg are playing, I think if they can continue to do that, which it looks like they are, you know you're going to get good goaltending from John Gibson. And I think the biggest difference for the Ducks this year in net is last year. I'm talked. I talked about the game in Carolina where it was no back to back. It was a game that John Gibson last year would have started, and they went with Ryan Miller. And I think you're you're looking at a team who's kind of learned from their mistakes last year. And running John Gibson into the ground, you know, that's a start. If it was Randy Carlisle last year and, and the same, you know, the way the Ducks were were running their goalies last year, that's a John Gibson start. And this year I think they've, they've learned from the mistakes, and that was a Ryan Miller start, and that gave them some rest to go into this game and, and be fully prepared. And I think, you know, that's something they're going to continue to do for the rest of the season, and we're not going to see that issue with John Gibson. As we did last year, and I think he's going to be able to keep this play up for the for the entire year. So I think they're for real. I think you know, look at six three and zero right now, and two games that they lost in regulation that they probably should have had a you know a better outcome or at least gotten a point out of. I think they're you know maybe not the best team in the Pacific because I think Vegas holds that title. Yep. but I think they're battling right in there with San Jose and Calgary and Arizona for that second or third spot.
1: Yeah, is anyone having any issues with Ed's audio? By the way, we saw on Twitter Nick chimed in saying that uh, he can't hear Ed. Everyone here is saying eh, the audio is good. Nick, I'm not sure what's going on with the audio, man, but everyone here can hear Eddie. Sorry for the issue there, but uh, I hear him loud and clear as well. Um, let's get to – we have another question here, man, you want to get to?
2: Ah, uh, yeah. I got one. Qu- the last question we have is on Facebook from Trey. It says the team are looking exit out of the gate. Obviously, a little bit biased. Oh God, he had the same question. But do you think Anaheim <laughs> can keep this up over the whole season? And he said possibly compete for the division. So that's a bit of a different question. Do you think they can compete for the division? Do you no. think
1: no. that it's, they're they're a bubble? They're a bubble playoff team with a high end getting into the third division spot if they get secondary scoring that's that's where this team's at that's where they're at
2: yeah I, I just i think vegas is too good of a team consistently to keep it up and, and <laughs>
1: insanely good <clears throat> yeah and, and and
2: just the way they play and obviously mark Andre flurry has had a great start to the season too so i i can't see them winning the division is it out of the realm of possibility probably no like there's there's a possible scenario where maybe like 10 percent chance uh, that they that maybe. they can win the division but uh, it's on the lower side. It's the lower end side, like like Ricky said. Uh, you know, The playoffs, I think, the way they've started, the way they look, are a little bit more uh, of a realistic possibility than they were at the start of the season. I think we all had the Ducks being a borderline playoff team, and maybe that looks a lot better the way they've started this year and the way they've played. Uh, but we are only nine games in, so there's obviously a lot of time to be played. There's yep. still seventy, what 73 games to be played at the end of the year, so there's Got still a, long a bunch way to go. of time for things to change but yeah division division a bit of a stretch but i think a playoff team is definitely not out of the question yeah i think they've, they've done themselves some favors in making them look like they have a really solid chance to finish in that second or third spot
1: all right man you got anything else or are we going to call this a wrap and talk about patreon for a second
2: i think we're it. yeah let's we're just over an hour so let's uh Let's hit them up with uh, Patreon because I know everybody wants to hear about our Patreon.
1: Oh, of course they do. If you stayed all the way through <laughs> this show, you're probably already a Patreon member, and God bless you for that. You're able to throw in some extra funds towards us to get back to you. Go to patreoncom mighty. That URL is going to be changing soon. Uh, we no longer do Puck Guys shows, as you guys know, but uh, our Patreon podcasts we do we do two a month. Uh, There are bonus episodes, you get the Ranch Show, which Eddie and I recorded today, but you get a Pucks and Brews episode, which we're going to record later this month, probably right before Halloween is when we're all going to be available. Uh, We'll get that show on the road, but that's uh, all three of us drinking, mostly Jason and I, because Eddie doesn't like alcohol in Canada, and he can't find a store (laughs) open on any given day of the week. But uh, it's probably snowing and the moose can't get through the 10 feet of snow It's probably what it is. I'm pretty That's sure Mike's. Yeah, yeah. So we do bonus shows there, which are fun. You can join us there. Uh, game show is coming this month. So if you're on Patreon uh, and you're in the upper tiers, you're allowed to be part of the game show here and win some fabulous prizes from Bobby's Bargain Ben. Um, but we give away. have giveaways, right? We do. If you're if you're paying us, you get one of these hats. I got a hat on right now from Forever Mighty. Um, we'll ship it to you for being a, you know our top tier Patreon. Uh, if you're not in the top tier, you also get a lanyard and a beer, and then we have the koozies and we have stickers. Those are those are uh, for the the elite, and then the all star tier gets uh, the lanyard and the stickers and the bonus shows. It's a lot of fun stuff. Plus, we get you you get you guys involved in the game shows too. So if you have some extra cash, you want to support the show. Uh, our Patreon is Patreon.com/slash Puck Guys Forever Mighty. But uh, Ed, we just made affiliate on Patreon. What does that mean for people in? <laughs> And uh and, and, or not Patreon, and Twitch. What does it mean for Twitch? Affiliate and Twitch.
2: Uh man, you're putting me on the spot here I have because to. I have to I have to look I still have to look do a bit more. But and these, uh, i believe people can were,
1: support the show through Twitch. Could, yeah, you
2: can support the, the show through Twitch. So if you have Amazon Prime, you have Twitch Prime. So you can you can throw up a Twitch Prime subscription. It's completely free. Like I said, if you have Amazon Prime, then you are able to get Twitch Prime. So you can throw up a, a Twitch Prime subscription uh, if you want to support the show that way. Uh, later on when we do the shows like game shows and uh, if we ever do uh, a free Pucks and Brews for the month as well, uh, we'll be able to incorporate bits to the show and then have different inter- different ways for the chat to interact with the show I think which is going to open up a, a bunch of different possibilities for us especially for the game show because the game show is always going to be live on Twitch uh, just only Patreon members can, can participate in it and uh, occasionally like we did in the summer as well we will sometimes have a Pucks and Brew show that will be live for everybody uh, during a certain months this year. So, again, you'll be able to have bits that incorporate that way. So it's just kind of great. We, we've been working on this for a while. It's going to help the show a little bit. It's going to help the, the broadcast on Twitch. It's going to be fun for the the odd shows we do every year. where We do the trade deadline show. We do the draft show. So there's going to be a lot of different things that uh, we can do for the podcast that uh, now we've hit affiliate status, which is which is about time. Cause we've gotten close a couple of times. I think we, we really – because we, we didn't get on Twitch – until the end of last season right so we were trying to hit it throughout the summer and we were mostly just playing nhl with a bunch of different people that listen to the show so trying to trying to reach that was a bit difficult but now that we've moved the podcast over here and we have a bunch of different episodes it's been it's been a lot easier
1: yeah so if you want to support us um you can you can buy bits and throw them into our uh, our bobby's bargain bin mug which will be the little mug you see there on the side of the screen with pucks in it um, that you're able to donate to us, that helps us out, helps the show out, help gives us the, the opportunity to, to make these hats, to make the stickers, the lanyards, the koozies. Uh, Ricky mentioned hoodies. Uh, we're trying to get ho- we're trying to get hoodies and shirts eventually. That's a big cost and inc- uh, to incur by us, so we have to figure that out. That's something we want to do for sure to get back to everybody here. Or maybe give some away, maybe sell them. We'll see how it goes. But uh, we appreciate everyone tuning in. Thank you guys for the uh, for subscribing. If you haven't already subscribed on Twitch, please do so. Um, if you're listening to the show the next day, go subscribe on Twitch. It helps us out. Go check us out on Twitter, Forever Mighty FM. Look for look for our Forever Mighty FM three stars. And 45 minutes before the game, uh, look out for our questions. We'll give you a chance to win a jersey. But uh, Ed, if you got anything else, uh, if you don't, then I think we're good, man. Everyone have a great night. No,
2: we'll see you Tuesday, and I'm there Tuesday as well. So I'm I'm back. I'm back on the show more often now. So uh, we will see you Tuesday after the game against Nashville.
1: Have a great night, everybody.